0: Feel like Magnum Pi right now? <laughs> that intro is something. That's something else. Hey, I. Uh, my name is Brian, by the way. I get the privilege of serving here on staff as one of the worship leaders, and uh, I hope that uh, th- what an incredible time of worship that we get to have together each weekend, and specifically today, just what an incredible time. And I hope that you hear the spirit in which I'm, I'm speaking over us and, and admonishing us, is that we would be a church on mission that never gets happy with settling, Uh, that you and I would become a people that are passionately in love with Jesus and that it shows up in our worship and our response together. You know, we get a short hour on Sunday to be together and to lift up some pretty amazing songs and to sing our theology in many ways before we get ready to go live it. And so my encouragement for us is that we would never be a church that settles and those of us that make excuses about worship, whether you think it's maybe a little loud or maybe my genes are a little loud, that you would choose to engage because a holy God loved us enough to send Jesus. And that's why uh, we've come. That's what it's all about. And so um, I want to see us be a church that moves to more passionate worship, that more of us would put our coffee down and more of us would start engaging with the living God and uh, and putting our hands where they belong. This is a sign of surrender. This is a symbol of our lives. And so I just would hope and pray that we would continue to be a people transforming uh, into the image of Jesus in light of his holiness. Amen? Amen. A little message here, but I'm not preaching. Don't worry. Uh, You got another guy coming, uh, and it's a guy that you know well if you've been here for a while. If you're new with us, uh, a few years ago we got just an incredible gift from Chicago, and he's been with us for the last three years, but just took a brand new assignment in Southern California as a senior pastor at Hillside Community Church, and we get him one last Sunday as one of us uh, before we totally send him, Uh, but I would love for you to welcome with me uh, Pastor Aaron McRae to the stage. Not yet, dude. Not yet. What are you doing? Getting ready. Well, I just have to say, uh, Aaron, over these last three years, has become truly one of my best friends, a spiritual mentor to me. He's been a spiritual guide through some, some turns in my Fashion journey. Fashion guide? Well, I have to say, I've been a guide too, though. Uh, <laughs> that beard didn't exist three years ago. And I'm just saying, there's some inspiration happening to yep. my left, all right? Yep. And I think it looks great, just to be, to be real. Thank you. Uh, it's going to fit in really good with those crazy people in Southern California. Yeah. It's a lot of weird over uh, there. Absolutely. And I was surprised to see that you didn't even wear your colored jeans today. I almost wore my teal. I don't even know what color you would call that. Yeah. Just loud. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, for those folks that are here that don't know the story of these last three years and how you came to Cornerstone, it's been a very unique journey and the things that have happened here, um, specifically with Kate. And uh, I would love for you to just give a quick overview and then the the update.
1: Yeah. So we've been around these parts for four years, um, officially on staff at Cornerstone for about three years. We moved out to plant a church. Um, God sort of changed our path, came on staff at Cornerstone to start multi-site campuses around Phoenix. Um, We needed to push pause on that because as the economy tanked and all of that, we just needed to be um, good stewards of the resources God gave us. Uh, The day after we told Cornerstone we're not doing multi-site, the very next day, um, our middle daughter Kate was diagnosed with a very aggressive brain tumor. Uh, Tons and tons of you know this story, so I won't go into a lot of detail. Just um, immediately after that horrible diagnosis she had, Brain surgery, incredibly uh, difficult rounds of chemo, um, uh, went through just some some horrible days. She went to radiation, and then after that, which would have been a year and a half ago or so, um, found two new spots, recurrence in her brain, and that may have been even worse than the first time around, and just devastating heartbreak. And um, yeah, you a lot of you have journeyed it with us, and you have read about it, prayed for us, and it's just been horrible. Um, Since the recurrence, she went into radiation, um, very, very strong treatments, then chemotherapy. uh, She finished all of her chemotherapy about three weeks ago, so we're officially through with treatment. And then on um, Tuesday, she had an MRI. Wednesday morning, we got the results. And praise God, another good MRI, so a number of good MRIs in a row. Yeah.
0: And it's been amazing to watch as God has uh, used Kate and the pain of your journey with Kate um, to fan the flame for His glory. I was just on Kate's blog, and if you've never been on there, just go PrayForKate.com. It's an amazing uh, site. His wife, Holly, is a, a prolific writer, and I think that sort of came out through the, in the midst of this journey, um, but over 14 million hits on their blog, um, and I mean, you talk about just a a bold testimony for Jesus Christ. Uh, Holly and Aaron have lived out a bold testimony, Mm -hmm. and I think that God honors that in His faithful healing work in Kate's body. And so, um, it's just been so amazing. We honor you for the way that you Mm -hmm. have done that journey with Kate in the midst of your worst moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And you guys are officially are moving on. You've officially moved on into your new role. This guy's a big shot. He's the senior pastor at Hillside Community Church in Rancho Cucamonga, Alta Loma area. And and you know what's so cool is I feel like these last few years for you, Aaron, have been uh, just a time for you to build. And what you came here to do was not what you ended up doing, um, but in the past few years, you've kind of bumped around our staff just a little bit, and, uh, and God has raised Aaron up to go lead a church of 3,000, uh, not a church of 300, and so the profound influence that Aaron's going to have there, I just believe uh, God's going to do immeasurably more than is even already been done at, at Hillside, but give us sort of the, the official move date, sure. talk about Hillside a little sure. bit, what you're excited sure. about.
1: Sure, so it's a, you know, it's one of those opportunities that is, it's a great opportunity, it's uh, far more responsibility than I deserve, and so very grateful for God uh, for that. I've been there for about a month. I've had three, sun, three weekends there, and um, the transition has been crazy because I've spent about three or four days there a week and then fly home three or four days here a week, back and forth. So Thursday, the movers packed us up here, and Tuesday of this week, they will load the truck, and then we will follow them on Wednesday. So we officially are Californians as of Wednesday.
0: Well, we just love you so much, and uh, I mean, I wish we had more time to talk about all the, the God stories. But I want to let you preach because um, you're you. pretty good at it, and we want to hear what you got to say. And uh, but just even like your house selling in two days, two I mean, days. in this market—it's just amazing stuff. I mean, if you just if you could sit down with this guy for a day, he just has. God stories for days, so one day he'd have to try to squeeze them all together, but it's just really, really cool. I want to pray for you um, before you preach, and we'd love to invite you to stand as we just honor one of our pastors and our leaders, and just to extend a hand towards him. You can keep up with Aaron on Facebook and Twitter. He's way into social media, so if you're into that, if you're not, get into it, because he's got good stuff, but let me pray for you, dude. We love you, God. Thank you so much for Aaron, and for Holly, and Olivia, and Kate, and Will. thank you so much for bringing them to us for these last three years and and god thank you for the story that you're continuing to write in their journey and specifically as it relates to moving to southern california as aaron takes on this new leadership role as a senior pastor god would you fill him with wisdom expand his capacity to learn and and to grow and to lead a community of people that would follow you and know you um, completely lord and for the thousands that are there, we pray they would grow to new to new places with you. And for the thousands that aren't there, God, would you bring them to Hillside Community Church? And may they find Christ maybe for the first time in their lives through Aaron and Holly's ministry there. God, we ask for continued healing in Kate's body. We give you all of the credit, all of the glory for the healing that, that has already uh, taken place these last three years. And uh, God, we've been on our knees so many times and seen you prove faithful. And we're just asking, God, would you continue to prove faithful as you stand in her body? with your healing power. We love you. We thank you so much for Aaron and for the McCrays. We bless them and send them for the glory of Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.
1: So just uh, another sort of God kind of story. I have the privilege of kicking off this series today by the book. And it was a number, probably two months ago or so, as the church in California had approved me to be the new senior pastor On a Sunday, the next day, I just began to pray for the staff that I would be working with, and I felt like God led me to a passage of Scripture that I just sent them an email and said, here's what I'm praying for. Here's what I'm just asking God to do in and among us. And a couple days later, I, I just felt I needed to sort of extend that to the board. So I sent an email to all the board members and said, here's the passage that I feel like God is 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 just sort of calling me to begin to pray for us that God would do. And and I already knew that I would be teaching here at Cornerstone. I, I didn't know what I would be teaching on. So a number of weeks later, I get an email that just says, here's the breakdown of Colossians and how we're going to talk through Colossians. And Pastor Lynn sees these verses as being pretty instrumental. And the verses that they wanted me to talk from today are the exact same verses that I'm praying for Hillside and for the staff and for the board members. So it's just one of those things where it's evident how God is working and moving. And so today I'm talking from Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 12, and that's been the prayer that I've had for the new church we are a part of, and that is the prayer that I have for us in here today. If you're not familiar with your Bible, let me just set a context real quick for Colossians and what's going on here. The Apostle Paul is this guy that probably almost all of us have heard of, although we may not understand where he came from. We just think he's a guy who wrote a lot of the Bible, a St. Paul kind of a thing. But what we neglect is who he was before he was St. Paul, who he was before he met Christ. This is the guy who terrorized the church. This is the guy who persecuted Christians more than anyone else. He was a murderer of Christians. And if you said you believed in Christ then he wanted to kill you and end the religion that you said you were following until the day that Jesus Christ changed his life and when Paul met Jesus Christ everything changed and he moved from a persecutor of Christians to one of the best proponents of the message of Christ that's ever been and so we see in chapter 1 verse 1 that he calls himself Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus cause God called him to this task and we see who he is writing this to He's writing this book, Colossians, to a group of believers. He calls them holy, which, by the way, uh, means saints. So if you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you may not be comfortable with this, but you are holy. You are a saint. So saints of God get this message from Paul. And he says you're holy and you're also faithful. So positionally, you're saints because of who you are in Christ. But he's saying practically because the lives we're trying to live were faithful. But he's writing to a very specific group of people in a place called Colossae. And the people there are called Colossians. He writes another letter to a place called Ephesus. And this is the letter to the Ephesians. Another letter to people in Philippi. This is Philippians. And so this is one of the letters that he had written. And and all told, Paul wrote about one-third of the books of the New Testament. But he wrote with a very specific person to the purpose to the people in Colossae you see there were teachings there were philosophies that were coming into the church and being taught people were believing them that were not leading them towards Christ but were leading them away so Paul with a very pastoral heart writes to these people to say you need to watch out you need to beware because people are leading you astray and you need to come back to the truth And so Paul writes this, and you can see verses 1 and 2, they're the greeting. He's sort of saying, hey, how are you doing, kind of thing. Verses 3 through 8, he's thanking God for their faith. And then what we're going to focus on, 9 through 12, becomes a prayer that he is praying for these people at Colossae. And like I said, this is the prayer that I am praying for you as well today. So look with me, Colossians chapter 1, we'll begin reading in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So first of all, Paul says there's, there's two big things we're going to talk about. The first is this. He's praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God, that you would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God, not just playing a game, not just going through the motions, but to be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. Just a a week and a half ago, um, it was 102 degrees, and I decided I needed to mow my grass. Now, why I did that, I'm not quite sure. Um, So I I go out, and and I fire up the lawnmower, and I begin to to mow my lawn. Now, normally when I mow, I have my earbuds in, and the music is just cranked full speed ahead because, you know, you have to overcome the noise of the engine. So this particular day, I'm out there. I probably had been mowing for all of five seconds, and my lawnmower ran out of gas I had this thought and, and this is just how my mind works I had this thought what if I would have had my 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 iPod cranked full blast and I would have been mowing and what if it would have ran out of gas but I didn't know it because my music was so loud and I just had this scenario play through my mind can you imagine if my neighbors walk by and I'm just like <laughs> just mowing away and they're like it's not even on what is he doing he's just going through the motions but I would have this in la-la land mowing away. And I just thought, I'm so glad I didn't have my, you know, you know how it goes. But I just wonder today, I just wonder today, how many of us do something like church on a weekend, but we're empty and we're really just going through the motions? It's almost like we're just, we're just doing it, but there's, There's nothing behind it. There's nothing being accomplished. It's almost, check it off the list, without ever really engaging with the God who is here and who wants to reveal himself to us. So when Paul writes, I want you to be filled, there's something very specific he's talking about that's not being empty, that's not being meaningless. It's not going through the motions. There's something he's talking about that he wants us to get, to receive, to understand so that we don't go through the motions, so that we don't go through our lives and it feels meaninglessness. It feels, it feels hopeless. It feels that we're helpless. So when he says be filled and throughout scripture and many other places he said things like that. There's, there's about three at least implications of what this means. First of all, to be filled means to fill up a deficiency in our lives and to be filled. Scriptures tell us that for every deficiency that we have, Christ is sufficient. That there's no need that we have in our lives that Christ can't fulfill, that he can't meet that need. That when we feel that we are lacking something, you know, that Christ can be sufficient even way back in the psalm the psalmist wrote Psalms 23 the Lord is my shepherd I shall not what I shall not want I don't have to be in need I don't have to lack because if God is our shepherd he can meet those needs he can fill those voids secondly to be filled in Scripture can mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God Ephesians 5 tells us do not be drunk with wine but be filled by the Spirit. And in the same way where you can be intoxicated with some kind of alcohol and and something beyond you, something other than you controls your actions, the Scripture says the Holy Spirit will fill us and can control us and lead us and guide us. So it says be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of love and joy and peace, the, the Spirit of truth and knowledge that we can be filled with the Spirit Third, it talks about this idea of being filled with a a certain character or quality that's not, that's even beyond us. Ephesians 1, it talks about we can be filled with the fullness of God, be filled with who he is. And it's not saying that old military line, be all that you can be. It's saying in Christ, you can be what only God has created you to be. You can be Christ in you living more than you to be filled It's more than just going through the motions. It's more than just making things happen in our strength. It's God doing something in and through us that only God can do. But he says very specifically, I pray that you be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. With the knowledge of the will of God. This idea of knowledge is something very interesting as well in Scripture because it talks about in, in various places that knowledge is not just something we know up in our head. That knowledge is more than that. That knowledge, it, it has this ability to, to know what the wise thing to do is. It's not just knowledge for knowledge's sakes, it's knowledge that we can know how to live our lives. It's to be filled with the knowledge of His will also refers to the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth, to lead us. This idea of knowledge, it also means to have a confidence, a confidence in our salvation. 1 John 5.13 says, this is John writing, and he says, here's why I write scripture. I write these things that you might know that you have eternal life. So you can have confidence. Not like a roller coaster, those up and down days when you're doing good, living good, then you feel loved by God, but then on the bad days you're like, God, where'd you go? but that you can have confidence in every season and circumstance of life and know beyond a shadow of doubt that God's love and God's approval and salvation itself is not dependent on how you act and what you do. It's all about Christ on a cross, his sacrifice for you. So Paul prays this very specifically, be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. To be filled with it and that it would lead us into truth and guide us Around our house, our oldest daughter, Olivia, is nine years old, and she's for some reason gotten into trivia. And so she has a little iPod, and on the iPod she downloaded not too long ago, Family Feud. Any Family Feud fans in the house? All right, there's a few of you. So the, the iPod has the same noises, like the ding, survey says, that kind of stuff. And so Olivia will walk around the house, and the, the uh, ticker is counting down, and she'll be like, dad, 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 and she'll ask this question, and I'll just stop her and say, Olivia, I don't care. I don't care I don't I don't care but dad and so she's figured out a way that she can sort of reboot refresh and then win every time so it's pretty cool trick Uh, but she's just asking this useless trivia and then she discovered um, uh, she got an app for are you smarter than a fifth grader I'm like great and so here she goes again and, and it's going on and she's like dad dad what's the answer to this and I just stop her Olivia I don't care I, I don't care. And I'll I'll ease your I'll ease your mind right now. No, I'm not smarter than a fifth grader. Because <laughs> those questions are beyond me. I, I don't I don't know where they come up with them. Well, she's brought her brother and sister into this sort of trivia craze and we got them a game um, unbeknownst to us. I would never recommend you get your kids this game. It's called Beat the Parents. And so they have this game called Beat Your Parents and they want to play it every night. That is before we made the movers pack it up the other day. So they packed up Beat the Parents and we'll sit down and we'll play this game and you'll get out a card and the question for the parents is literally something like this. What is Lady Gaga's real name? And I'm seriously like, I don't care. I have limited brain space. I'm not going to take it up with what Lady Gaga's real name is. And then they get their question and it's something like, What's the name of the mouse in Disneyland? Mickey Blank. I mean, that's sort of like it feels to us, and it's a game designed to humiliate parents and to boost the egos of children. It's just rigged through and through. But but here's the whole point of this. Olivia is into trivia for trivia's sake, and the reality is it's only knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's really, for the most part, useless knowledge unless she gets on Jeopardy one day and wins, then I'll be thankful. (laughs) Other than that, it's useless knowledge. But here's the thing that happens. Some of us treat the scriptures as useless knowledge. If I know it, I know it. If I don't, eh, no big deal, no big loss. Do you understand what we do to the Word of God when we take that approach? That this is God's word written for us, given to us, not for useless information, but that we can know the truth, and the truth set us what? The truth set us free, that we can know the truth, that we can know how to live the life that God has called us to live. And sometimes we're so flippant towards, sometimes we take this attitude, I don't really care. But Paul's prayer is that we would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God so that we can know first and foremost who God is and how He works in our world. And then so we can know who He has called us to be, the kind of women of God He's called you to be, the kind of men of God He's called you to be, the kind of young people of God that He's called you to be, that we can live the life that He has created us for that is far beyond anything we can do on our own. So when Paul is praying that you'd be filled with the knowledge of the will of God, he's praying that you would understand these truths and that your lives would be transformed. And as we live out these truths, our world would be transformed. It's no little thing that he's praying. He's praying that in light of these other philosophies and other teachings that are coming in, that these people at Colossae would not fall prey to the philosophies of this world but that they would be rooted in truth and I wonder are there any less of a thread of philosophy sneaking into us today than there were back in that day how many things come at us through advertising or marketing or our feelings or our books we read or teachers in school or whatever I don't know what other kind of philosophies have crept into our thinking, that don't lead us to a knowledge of the will of God, but actually lead us astray, away from the will of God. And my prayer for you is that you would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. And the second part of that prayer is found in verse 10. Look with me. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. And may please him in every way. The reason that Paul is praying this, the reason that we pray this, is that we would live a worthy life pleasing to the Lord. And then he says four things that sort of define what he means by a worthy life bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of life. So he says this, it's, I pray that you would be filled with this kind of knowledge of the will of God so that you can live a life that is worthy of the Lord, a life that is fully pleasing to God. The scriptures tell us in Hebrews 11 that it is impossible to please God without faith. But if we have faith and we live a life by faith, just understand this. We can please God. We can please the God of all that is, the creator God, the sustainer. We can please God and live a life. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, you can live a life where you work that pleases God. You can live a life at home that pleases God. You can live a life at school that pleases God and brings honor to God and impacts this world. And he says it. this happens in, in four different capacities. Number one, bearing fruit in every good work there in the middle of verse 10. Bearing fruit in every good work. Now this sort of sounds a little bit spiritual, like Christianese, right? Bearing fruit. We don't walk around saying, I'm going to bear some fruit today. So what's he talking about? He's talking about a, a metaphor that is found throughout Scripture, and Jesus talks about it in John 15. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, apart from him, there's nothing of eternal significance that we can do. But with him, in him, and him living through us, our lives can change eternity. We can have eternal impacts with our lives if we live it in Christ. It talks about the fruit that we bear in Galatians chapter 5. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Note two things. It's not in the plural. It doesn't say the fruit are. It says the fruit is in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's not multiple choice and you're saying, I'll take joy and I'll take a little bit of love. It's, that's what it it is. And when he's calling us to bear fruit, he's calling us to live lives that evidence this, love, joy, joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, to live lives that show forth these very characteristics that represent God himself. Years ago, Holly and I bought our first house, and this was 10 years ago or so. So we were in North Carolina, and it's the the fall of the year, so we're taking tours of a bunch of different homes, and then we get to this one that we eventually buy. In, In the back left corner of the lot... There's a tree. Now, there's no leaves on it because it's the fall of the year, but there's a tree, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, I, th- I think that's a fruit tree. Um, beside of that's a little trellis, and it has a vine growing, and I'm thinking, a grapevine? That's pretty cool. Um, but the truth is, I trimmed some branches on these things, but other than that, I totally ignored them, didn't pay them any attention, just sort of left them alone. But after we moved in the house, we thought on the right corner of our backyard it would be so cool to have a garden. And so we just dreamed of like our first garden we'd never done anything like that and how we could have a garden well holly uh, became pregnant with our first child through this process and so by the time it was harvest time for the garden it was my garden (laughs) she was she didn't need to be out in the heat and the mosquitoes and all that kind of stuff so it was my garden So I was going out there and figuring out how to do this. And so I had to borrow someone's tiller to till up the soil and I had to get seeds and plant them and water the garden and, and pull the weeds out of the garden. I mean, it was so much work. So I work and work and work and work and finally get like a cucumber or squash. And I'm like, Oh, this is so awesome. But it was so much work at the end of the summer. You know what happened to my garden? It died. The the whole entire thing that I had worked so hard for, it wilted away, died. I had to till it back up. It was just dead. But remember the fruit tree and that vine that were deeply rooted into the soil and nourished, started to bear fruit, started grapes, started to just in abundance. And I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, I didn't do anything for you but trim you back. And look at you, year after year after year, you produce. But this stinking garden, (laughs) that's not even worth it. And I wonder how many of our spiritual lives are all about work, 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 work. Dude, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be better. And for a season, we do. And for a season, there's a little bit of result. But then it dies, and it's gone. When all the while, God is calling us to be more like a vine, to be more like a tree that is deeply rooted in the right place, not working and striving, but bearing fruit because where we're rooted, not because of our activity. When, when the scripture is saying that we're bearing fruit, it's not a command that's like, hey, bear fruit. It's if you're rooted in the right place, if your identity is in the right place in who Christ is, he will cause you to bear fruit. It will grow up in and through you, and it will be evidence of God's work in your life. But I wonder how many of us, our lives are like that. Our spiritual lives are deep-rooted, and we're bearing fruit. Or how many of us, we're just more like a plant, Try to work. Try to strive. And and, and God would just simply say, stop working. Stop trying. Start trusting. Start trusting. So Paul writes that living a life worthy of the Lord is about bearing fruit. Number two, growing in the knowledge of God. Growing in the knowledge of God, continually understanding and seeking through the scriptures to know God more, but not with a head knowledge, to know that we may do, live it out, to live out God's truth. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power, to be strengthened with all power, it's this phrase he's talking about, to have power beyond ourselves, to be strengthened with all power and, and if you look at the phrase it says, according to his glorious might. It's not the strength that we come up with ourselves. It's according to his power and according to his might. Ephesians 1, verse, uh, verses like 18 through 20, they talk about this idea of the very same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. It's available to us for living. That kind of power to be strengthened with the power of God that's beyond ourselves, that, that is beyond any circumstance that we face. So Tuesday of this week, I was in California finishing up my work week there. That sounds fun, finish up your work week on Tuesday. Because I'm commuting, I I had a flight to catch to get back here. So Holly had to take Kate for her MRI Tuesday um, without me being there. And so I I get to the airport, I have about an hour before my flight takes off. So about five o'clock or so, I call Holly and I'm trying to get an update. Has the doctor called and given you any information or do we have to wait till Wednesday to get the result? And she didn't answer her phone. And I don't know if your mind ever goes places that it shouldn't go. My mind just starts racing. And I just start thinking the worst. I just start thinking, oh, what happened? Did, did she get a phone call? And now she's too distraught to answer the phone. And I'm thinking, you can't go there. You've got to keep your mind in a good place. So, you know, they start to call. It's time to line up to board the plane. So I text Holly and I'm like, any word, I'm waiting. And, and she didn't respond before I had to shut down my phone to get on the airplane and that our flight from California to here probably cost me 10 years of my life I was so worried and my mind was just making things up and there was a war going on for about an hour and a half in my mind and it was one of those times where this idea of be strengthened be strengthened in a power beyond yourself was being wrestled out in my life where I had to start saying, Okay, God, you're bigger than any circumstance. I had to start reminding myself of, myself of of passages of scripture like Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord and don't with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Reminding myself that the same God who, who did give us good news and delivered us and gave us good news through his power, he's the same God that on days when some of us get bad news, that very same strength and that very same power can lead us through the storm and through the heartache. So I don't know what you're facing and what may be going on in your life, but I, I can promise you this, the power of God is sufficient. The strength of God is sufficient for whatever need is going on in your life, for whatever obstacle that you may have even for every opportunity that you look at and you say well I could never do that the power and the strength of God is more than you need more than enough would you trust him and so he says that idea of being strengthened with all power and then fourthly he says this idea of giving thanks to the father that a hallmark of what it means to be a follower of Christ a hallmark of what it means to live a life that is worthy of the Lord is not being a grouch it's not being a person who complains it's not being a bitter person a hallmark of being a person who is living a life worthy of the Lord is being grateful is having thanks Thankfulness, thanksgiving as a hallmark of, of your life, of how you live. So much so, in fact, that this is how Paul wrote it in another place in 1 Thessalonians. He said, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Did you get that? That, that part of God's will for your life. It is God's will for your life that you be thankful And he says, thankful in all circumstances. Rejoice always. And you may say back to me, but Aaron, you don't know my circumstances. And my comment would be, your eyes are on the wrong thing. Because yes, I may not know your circumstances, but you don't know my Christ And so what he's saying is the way that you can rejoice always, the way that you can give thanks in all circumstances is your eyes are not on the circumstance. They're on the God who is over all circumstances, who controls all things, who is faithful even when life is hard. And so Paul's call to us is you can be thankful if you keep your eyes on Christ. And he will be with you and he will never leave you or forsake you no matter what you have to endure in life and he will give you the strength to go through it and he will give you the confidence to persevere and if you stay focused on him you will have that attitude that enables you even in those times to trust and when he prays a prayer for us like this and when he says I pray that you would be filled that you would live a life worthy some of us struggle because we would say I, I don't even know what that means I feel so empty and I would push back and say I don't think there's a such thing as being empty I don't think you can be empty you could say you know what? You're almost out of water. Your, your bottle is almost empty. My bottle's not empty at all. It's just filled with the wrong thing. There's a little bit of water and a whole lot of air. It's full of air. It's not empty at all. It's, it's full of something. And I don't think there's anyone here today that's truly empty. But I think there's a possibility you could be here today and be full of the wrong thing. And there's some here today that could be full of shame, full of guilt. And Christ would say, my grace is sufficient. And there's some here who could be full of loneliness. And Christ would say, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You're not empty, you're filled with the wrong thing. And I think for every need and every hurt and every heart, Christ would love to fill us today. He would love to meet us where we are. You don't have to change yourself. You don't have to clean up your act first. He will meet you where you are. Be filled. Be filled today. Be filled with the knowledge of His will so that you can live a life that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Be filled today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the truth of your scripture. God, we thank you that you can do in our lives what no one else could ever do. You can accomplish in and through us what only you can do. And so we turn to you today and we we come, Lord, some of us in this moment, praying, Lord, fill us with the knowledge of your will. Fill us with your grace. Fill us with your love. Holy Spirit, fill us now. Maybe we've thought we're empty, but maybe the truth is we're just filled with the wrong things. God, would you move in this place right now? If there's anyone here who has never come to know you as Savior, as the one who's rescued them, God, that today would be a day of salvation. God, I pray that if someone doesn't know you, that today they would know your love, know your grace, that they would look to the cross and see 2,000 years ago you gave your life on a cross. Willingly you sacrificed, not because you did wrong, but because of our wrongs. And because you died and because you rose from the dead, you conquered and set free anyone who would believe from their sin, from their failures. You gave us life Lord, could we receive your grace, your freedom, your forgiveness today? And Lord, if there's anyone here today who is a Christian but has these areas of life unchecked and they've been allowing their lives to be filled with the wrong things, God, may today be a day of repentance, of turning from things that we've tried to fill our lives with and that we would, Lord, allow you to fill us with yourself and that we would move from our efforts and we would stop trying, and today we would start trusting. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.